Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. At the height of the pandemic, many Australians found themselves with less work and struggling to make ends meet. So they jumped at the chance to access their retirement savings early. Now we know a lot more about what they spent the money on, with a new study showing gambling was high on the list. Today we speak to one of the researchers and chat to two women who will now have a lot less in their super funds when they retire. So I'm Courtney, I'm 35, Um, I work in film and I live in Melbourne. I've got a partner and a dog. So I had obviously having a bit of a a tough time through COVID and I was in a a little bit of debt. Um, So I thought I would just take out 10 grand from my super and pay it off. And I regret it now because I said to myself I would pay back that 10 grand as soon as I could and I haven't and I will probably do it with my tax return this year. Um, Because I'm from England, I've been in the country seven years, so I didn't have an insane amount of money in my super. I didn't completely deplete my super, but but yeah. And looking back now, like I, I do have regrets and I don't have regrets. Like I know I will probably, when I get older, if I'm not able to put that money back in, but at the time it was really useful. My name is Rhiannon Boudin. Um, I live on the Gold Coast. I'm married with two children. I'm a nurse. I work for Queensland Health. My husband's a chef, so at that point in time, his work had completely disappeared. Having two children and a mortgage and only one income obviously makes things a little bit stressful. My income was enough basically just to cover all of like our outgoing bills, but like day-to-day living obviously became a little bit more tight and a bit more stressful, not having that second income to, you know, keep us like a head above water, I say. I took out 10000 and it would say be like um, a quarter of what I had in my super at the time. It was probably the only way for us to survive at that time, just to, yeah, just to keep our family going. Hi, I'm Stephen Hamilton, Assistant Professor of Economics at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Stephen, we've been speaking to two women who took out some of their super during the pandemic. It's money that they wouldn't have been allowed to touch if it wasn't for the former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Yeah, so almost three years ago in 2020, uh, I'm sure people can remember uh, the early developments of the pandemic, uh, events progressed very rapidly. We, we didn't really know what to do. We didn't have an instruction manual for how to deal with a pandemic. Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberg came out just about every week announcing a new stimulus package to, to support the economy through the pandemic. The super withdrawal program was the middle plank of three uh, economic stimulus. The government's giving eligible Australians early access to their superannuation, $10,000 this financial year and another $10,000 the next, all tax-free. This is the people's money. 
the idea, I think, at the time was that, you know, every Australian has this big pool of cash. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is forced to save 10% of their income. The idea is you get it in retirement. Um, but the, the thought was, we'll give them this temporary access to their superannuation up to $20,000 per person. Mm-hmm. And that would help them get through the pandemic and, and also minimize the upfront cost to government. Around two and a half million people decided to do this, and on, on in total, they they removed about thirty eight billion from their super accounts. That's not really what super was designed for, was it? When Paul Keating developed it, it was not meant to be touched until retirement, and he really lashed out at the decision at the time, saying it meant that young people would be bearing the brunt of bailing out the economy. Yeah, this is kind of goes to the heart of the, the question. Instead of job keeper, job seeker and job keeper carrying the main burden of income support from the get-go, the main burden of income support is people, you know, ratting their own savings. Superannuation, which began in the early 80s, was made compulsory in the early 90s, was designed to make sure that people put money away up front so that when they reached retirement, they would have enough money to support themselves in retirement. And and just as importantly, it would mean that the federal government wouldn't have a huge liability that it faced to try and fund these people in retirement. Uh, now, obviously, the super withdrawal scheme kind of reverses that. It says to people, no, actually, we're going to allow you to use this money uh, when you're, you're, you're much younger. And in fact, in the in the pandemic, we saw that the the most common age was about 34 years old. So it was Mm. by and large taken up by much younger people. So three years on, we now have a much better idea of how many Australians withdrew super at this time. You've already mentioned a lot of them were quite young in their 30s. But what else have you learned? Yeah, it's quite staggering, you know, uh, three years on to, to to understand how much data we have available to us. We can see mm. really anything about these people, uh, what they were earning every week, what they were spending on every week, uh, you know, their access to government payments. And w- what we see is a couple of striking things. One is that the people who decided to withdraw were not that much lower income than the people who didn't. They had slightly lower wages, but not much. They weren't, on average, suffering a temporarily low wage period. It's not like, you know, it was particularly people who were, were in need at that at that moment. But those people had much worse financial circumstances. So they were people with, you know, 75% lower savings, people with 80% lower dividends, people who are making 90% less voluntary contributions to super. So in general, their financial health was much worse than the people who didn't withdraw, which I guess is not a surprise. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yes. And then what we see is the people who opted into the program, around one in six people on average, one in four 34-year-olds, mm. uh, they spent the money very quickly. So we see that roughly... nearly half of the money was spent. And when we say spent, that means, you know, there was a debit on their account. It wasn't an external transfer. It wasn't money paid off debt. It was spending uh, within eight weeks. So Mm. spending increased by 130% over the first two weeks, roughly 45% over eight weeks. And then after that time, uh, spending returned to normal. And we see them spending on you know, a range of categories. Mm. The largest category was ATM withdrawals, cash, uh, and and the second largest category was 
somewhat surprisingly gambling expenditure. Mm, right. And in fact, we see uh, gambling spending on average around the same level as credit card repayments. So that's kind of the key takeaway that we see from the, from the spending results. I mean, the women we have spoken to, I mean, they really needed that money, one, to pay off debt, but another woman to actually make ends meet and to put food on the table because they were one whole income down during this period. Yeah. So let me, this is really, really important point. So what we notice on average is that people who withdrew their super on average, weren't experiencing a reduction in their wage relative to before. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are going to be cases where people were, Mm -hmm. but overwhelmingly that wasn't the case. Okay. So before we move on, I just want to know how on earth do you know all of that information that people are withdrawing (laughs) money from ATMs, that they're gambling the money they're taking out? It seems like quite sort of personal information. So how have you gone about looking into that. Yeah. So we've been working on this since mid-2020. Nothing is identifiable. So the, the information we have is all de-identified. It's anonymized. Mm. Uh, so we have a we have a, a roughly uh, 15 million working age Australians. We have access to all of their uh, government kind of related information. That means their tax returns, their uh, welfare information, their super information uh, and then we have a sample of roughly 700,000 Australians' bank account transactions de-identified. So we just see Jane Doe, you know, spent on these things in this week, mm. withdrew super at this point, and then next week spent this money on that. And so we look at this sample of individuals and we can we can study how their behaviour evolves. And do you know from your data where most of the – we're talking a huge amount of people here, 2.6 million Australians, and of course they're yes. not all using it on gambling. We're not saying that. No. But do you get a sense of where they were living, where these people lived? Were they clustered in a certain area? Do you have any information on that? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. So what we do have is withdrawal rates by location. Now, the the highest withdrawing suburbs of the top 20, almost all of them are in Queensland. Mm. I'm a Queenslander myself. Um, the highest withdrawing suburb is the very tip of Cape York in Queensland, a, a remote uh, community there. Mm. Uh, and we we do observe across the country that very high withdrawal rates in suburbs with what we would call high high levels of socioeconomic disadvantage. That means low levels of higher education, low levels of income, high levels of unemployment. Mm. So that meant, you know, outer suburban, rural, regional areas tended to withdraw much more and areas that are very affluent, highly educated, tended to withdraw a lot less. Mm. So let's discuss the losses because... In the scheme of things, across someone's entire life, is $20,000 really that much? Yeah. So this is another problem, okay. <laughs> which is this is, the, this is in fact the reason why super exists in the first place, because people tend to have difficulty translating current values into their future value. If a 34-year-old re- removed 20000 which is the most common withdrawal amount, then they can expect at retirement at 65 for their super balance to be $120,000 lower Mm. in today's dollars 
than if they hadn't withdrawn that twenty thousand. It's a lot. So that's a huge impact, right? That's not a small impact. The median super balance of someone who's currently fifty、uh, is about two hundred thousand. So that's kind of like half their super balance wiped out. Wow. On average, the people who withdrew remove fifty more than fifty percent of their current super balance. So actually, even though it's only twenty thousand,、uh, it's Really, quite a dramatic impact on their on their super balance, and and we don't know whether people understood that.、Mm, so, Stephen, given that long term impact, and as you say, many people might not have been aware of that impact. Do you think something like this should ever be allowed to happen again? Yeah. So, I I'm forgiving of the decision to do it in the first place. What we can do now is look in hindsight. And we can observe what actually happened. And I think, with the benefit of hindsight, unwinding that concept of of, of mandatory super for long run kind of benefits, I think was a mistake. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't do it again. Stephen Hamilton is an economist at the George Washington University in Washington D.C. Under the current scheme, Australians are allowed to withdraw some super on compassionate grounds, including for medical treatment or palliative care. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sam Dunn, and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.